comes, it's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 29 of Nashville Untold, and thank you for tuning in. Today in the Rambler, I'll be hosting Granville Automatic. What's so fascinating about Nashville as a city to me is the mystery that often gets overlooked, and all these stories had incredible mystery to them, and incredible, um, it's hard to find the history here sometimes. We had to talk to writers, we had to go digging in the back of old bookstores, we had to, very, it was very rare that we would find this information online. Musicians Vanessa Oliveras and Elizabeth Elkins would join me in the Rambler. Led by modern-day Linda Ronstadt, Granville Automatic writes songs the Associated Press calls haunting tales of sorrow and perseverance. They have created a -a one-of-a-kind sound that revolves around their passion for storytelling. The duo, comprised of Nashville songwriters Vanessa Oliveras and Elizabeth Elkins, is named after a 19th century typewriter. In November, Granville Automatic released Radio Hymns, a 13-track concept record mining Nashville's lost history from the two wives of city founder Timothy DeMumbrium to the day in 1974 that the Ryman Auditorium was saved from the wrecking ball. Elkins and Oliveras self-produced the record using some longtime Granville players and some of Nashville's legendary studio musicians and studios. The album rocks and rolls, haunts and soars, and pays true homage to the mystery of Music City. They have also written several songs for well-known artists, and they sing a song at the end of the interview, so make sure to stay tuned for that. Now a word from the local nonprofit of the month, Community Care Fellowship. Community Care Fellowship. This is Ryan. Hey, what's up, Ryan? It's Andrew. Giving you a shout again to learn a little bit more about the great things you're doing at Community Care Fellowship. So uh, share share some more details with us. Yeah, man, I appreciate it again. Just the opportunity to talk about CCF. Well, one of the most important things that we can do for our homeless and near homeless in our community is provide for their immediate needs. Because without providing for their immediate needs, they're not going to ever be interested in transformational programs that will help them get out of that poverty cycle because you need to get them out of survival mode and and ready to make a difference in their life. So the way we do that is several different ways. We provide we provided about 7,000 showers last year, about 4,000 loads of laundry, gave out almost 45,000 hygiene items and about 33,000 meals that we served last year. And the only way we can do that is through the generosity of our volunteers. And so front desk and the hygiene area are run Monday through Friday, two shifts of three hours, nine to 12 and 12 to three. And then we have groups that come in each and every day for lunch and for breakfast to help serve. And we can't do it without those volunteers. That's awesome. That's a great way to people can get involved and give back, give back and, and love how, you know, it's about showing, showing love initially to uh, hopefully they'll come back and want to be served again, and then you can incorporate all the, the programs you have. Well, Ryan, yep. appreciate the uh, the calls this month and learning more about what you got going on there. Listeners, make sure to check out the show notes and ways that you can get involved in helping the homelessness in Nashville. Again, Ryan, thanks for your time. Hey, thank you, brother. Now enjoy the interview and some Music City history from Vanessa and Elizabeth. All right. Hello, Nashville. Today I'm hanging out in the Nations, and I am interviewing Granville Automatic musicians Vanessa Oliveras and Elizabeth Elkins. Hello, hello. Hello. Thank you for joining me. You're so welcome. On this very hot, warm day. Thank yes. you for having Just beautiful like hair. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Yours You're is very welcome. nice as well. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we can yeah, trade. I was, I was playing with it today. I was like, because it's kind of naturally curly. But I'm 
I don't, I don't want to venture out too much because I figure I'll mess it up. And then mm-hmm. it's like, it's I kind have to of a Jerry Lee Lewis. It's thing very like pompadoury. I really, cool. I, I dig it. Cool. It's very nice awesome. on you. Awesome. Well, Gives thank you. Some height. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So tell the audience a little bit about you both. Kind of what you got going on. Um, well, we have been a band now for seven or eight years, mm-hmm. and we um, came to Nashville full time four years ago yep. to um, focus a lot on songwriting and this project. And we have just released our fourth album, which is a concept record about Nashville's lost history. So, though we do some songs that are not history story songs, um, our albums tend to be focused on these themes. And this one was really pretty awesome and exciting to research and record so we are just spreading the word about the new record right now yeah awesome. yeah it's been awesome nashville yeah. is a fun a fun topic to write about it is. Sure. fun yet dark fun and, you, yet and dark. you came from hot atlanta is that right yeah both Rig- of you did? originally yes yeah yeah my mother-in-law is south of uh macon georgia ah. love cruising through there <laughs> through atlanta that is <laughs> no traffic um, no traffic so what brought you both together um, well, I was playing in rock bands, punk rock bands in Atlanta, and Vanessa was playing country stuff. And originally, I think we have yet to pinpoint when we actually met, um, but I think we were probably in a lot of the same clubs and friends introduced us. And I was coming to Nashville to write some, and Vanessa had been writing a lot of country stuff. And I am not a country singer. I am a punk rock singer with about a six-note range. And I was looking for someone to sing some demos, and everyone said, well, Vanessa's got the greatest voice in town. You really should reach out. And I did, and I, you know, uh, we decided, hey, we haven't ever tried to write songs. So we um, decided to get together to write and realized we wrote together really well. So that turned into like a regular maybe once a week that we got Mm -hmm. together to write. Uh, And we ended up suddenly we had this body of like 30 or 40 songs. And, Mm -hmm. And that sort of led to there was just there were themes moving through those songs. A lot of it was storytelling and and um we felt like maybe it was time to put a band together. And so we decided to create Granville Automatic then. Yep. And it's where'd, where'd you come up with a name? Um, it's actually the name of an old typewriter. Um, actually, I saw that. Yes. Yeah. I, I collect typewriters, okay. which is interesting. Yeah. A lot of people don't do that. But um, yeah, I, I really love them. They've all got their own sorts of personalities, I guess. Do you yeah. use them? Like, do they all, are they all working? Most of them are functioning. Um, some of them are a little iffy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I try to kind of tinker with them and see if I can fix them right. at all. But most of the time, it's kind of a lost cause. Yeah. Um, but they're all really spectacular in their own way. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'm sitting there thinking about a bit neat neat thing to do, like, thank you notes or something on each. Oh, we've done that. Yeah, I've done that. <laughs> I've done things like that for sure. But it's I tried to write a novel on it, and it's mm. just... It's not practical. It lasted about a day. Yeah, once it got out there, it's yeah. like nobody would know where. Yeah, there was a lot of cussing happening and right. throwing of things. The little white, the whiteout uh, things, right? Yeah. yeah, I was done. After the first page, I was like, yep, not going to happen. We've gotten very um, very used to the backspace on a computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it does, oh, yeah. it's not very forgiving on the errors. Although the iPhone, it, it tends to do its own backspace, which is so annoying. It's like, yes. I type that. And, you know. Yeah. All right, so tell me, let's dive a little bit, bit into your childhood, because um, the interview's not just music. I'm sorry, I didn't know we were talking about that today. <laughs> uh, so tell me a bit about your childhood and how the environment and culture had an influence on who you are today. You want me to go first yeah, for you? you go. Okay. You go. Well, I was a military brat, so I grew up all over the world, lived for in Central America for a while, in Europe, and a lot in the American South. So I think for me, it has made uh, the concept of home a very nebulous one. Um, I went to, I think, 11 different schools before I graduated high school. Um, But it also made me very, um, I guess, interested in these stories behind the places I was going. So in high school, I started getting very interested in more about the history of the places. I think when we moved to Europe, I really kind of dug into that. But I think it's also made me, I, I, I've gotten where I really love touring. Like I kind of like always being on the move and I don't know if that is a response to that or not, but um, I, I, it's definitely made me feel sort of like, uh, 
I find more of a comfort and a a constant in music and songs than I do maybe in space. So, yeah, your turn, Miss Oliveras. Um, I was born in Texas and what part? Um, in Houston. Okay, which... I was born in Freeport. Oh, really? Which okay. I think is around there. I think so. Yeah. kind it's of. A little, a little Texas east. is really I know, it's, it really is. large. Um, you know, I I I loved being in a really big family. That was always a, a big part of my upbringing. Um, I've got like 26 first cousins. I mean, so many. And being Hispanic, I was always around a wealth of people and babies and food and mm-hmm. and music. And I feel like just having that sort of family environment has been a huge influence on me. Um, just craving always being, not always being social. I do like my quiet time too, but really having that need to um, make other people feel joy and mm-hmm. um, entertain people. and Yeah. Texas is a pretty big part of what we do somehow. I mean, I yeah, of course. And Texas is always intertwined musically into what we do and what I do in general. The I mean, history just, of it or just the culture? Or yeah, the... Just, the, just the history and the culture of Texas. And we, we tour there a okay. great deal. So physically as well, um, it, it has a, a great impact on, on us as a band. Well, and we have a song Sorry. called You Can Go to Hell, I'm Going to Texas. And I think often that's our attitude as a band. Yeah. <laughs> really? I would say that's pretty accurate. I have a <laughs> bunch of, I have some nieces and nephews and family that live there. And I'm just like... It seems that it's hard to pull yourself out of Texas. You know, it's like it no is. experience out of else. You. Yeah. It really is. It's yeah. um, it definitely gets Cowboys fan under your or skin. were you? Well, were you a Titans fan? They play hockey. Yeah, sports is a tricky one. We don't <laughs> okay. know. Okay. Well, so you know, did you know that the Titans were the Oilers, which are originally from Houston? Who's that? You've heard of the Titans football? Oh, are you playing or not? Huh? I actually don't know if you what. <laughs> You'll never we'll know. We'll leave it at that. She knows. Nashville. All right. So, why'd you choose to pursue um, a career in music? Ah, oh, jeez. Well, I don't know. Either, I'm still trying to figure that out. There's, there's two, there's two answers to that. One is, oh god, I don't feel like I ever had a choice. I have to do it. And two is because I'm an absolute idiot. Yeah, I think probably same answers for me. No, I I think the reason I, I really decided to pursue music is because I had an incredibly supportive and, um, and loving family that really wanted me to do something that made me happy, um, and music made me happy. Mm-hmm. So um, I never really wanted to do anything else. In fact, if I think if someone said, hey, you gotta got to get another job, I would be pretty lost because I have no I have no idea how to do anything else <laughs> tell me so about the style of music you know and, and the storytelling and the recent um, I always think albums CD what are you supposed to call it in this day and I like age I to call them albums but albums okay I'm gonna stand by that records albums records albums cassette tapes I know that's what I'm you know a collection of songs <laughs> all together in one medium. I know. Right? Yeah, that's too wordy. Yeah, um, so, like, what what made you go towards that? You know, and obviously the research aspect and, you know, the history of it and stuff. I think it was Vanessa's idea originally. Um, I, I was reading a book called um, Blood and... Oh, it's called... Oh, so it's called Mustang, the story of the horse in the American West. And was so into this book. I grew up riding horses. And I think Vanessa said, you really should think about how we could bring those stories into songs and i think the first story song that we wrote was blood and gold which Mm -hmm. is on our first record about about horses and it kind of developed um from there it's uh, in this band vanessa's kind of the idea the idea person you often have the concepts and and at some point she goes we're gonna write a record about war and i was like okay and then we wrote a record about the civil war and she had this nashville idea and the new york idea that we've been working on in texas and stuff but um i'm really good at ideas i'm not great with follow-through so that's where she comes in (laughs) you gotta have one for one one for the other right yeah but i think stylistically (laughs) where it ended up is both of us i think have always kind of had one foot in mainstream as far as songwriting and pop and our love of of pop songwriting regardless of the genre country rock whatever but these songs and in in particular this new record i think actually really captures both of our influences there are some kind of darker rockier moments and there 
are more kind of poppy moments and a lot of really complex harmony parts that I think really showcase your ability with that. So I feel like I don't like to think, oh, and we could have a two-hour discussion of Americana versus country, which Mm -hmm. would probably get me banned from all events in Nashville, which is fine. But um, I don't, to me, we just kind of do what we do. Right. And maybe by subject, sometimes that falls in Americana. Um, But I think for us, this this band's always been about trying to write great songs. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we've written any great ones yet, but that's always been the goal. Yeah. Yeah. We're always trying to write the best song. I feel like that's what I'm trying to do on a day-to-day basis for the most part is, you know, in this climate, sometimes it's really hard to remember to write about the things that are important to you mm-hmm. and that really matter. Um, and I think always when you follow your heart, you can't go wrong. So, um, I don't know. You know, now, there's it's hard to balance the art and the commerce here sometimes. Right. Yeah. So is it a, a case of where, like, you're fine-tuning, like, you, you got a song, it's like, I'm finished because I'm sitting there thinking, like, do you at some point just have to go, all right, that's <clears throat> perfect? Or good, or do you listen to some of your stuff still now and be like, "Oh, I would like I could I could tweak that," you know? Like, is it a? Oh, I think anything can always be better. Um, yeah, I agree. And sometimes yeah. maybe we've recorded songs too soon. The songs maybe I, I'm a firm believer coming from a rock band, and what I see you probably agree too. And something that Nashville does kind of backwards, at least in the country world, is you record the song, then you go out and play it. And to me, the songs develop and change in the course of. Mm. playing them in front mm-hmm. of people yeah. and just settling into it arrangement wise and everything. So, um, I mean, that's not always necessarily the case because sometimes when people do rounds they are like, I just wrote this song today. No, I mean, artist wise, like the oh, country yeah, artists yeah, yeah, often yeah. make a record, then go out and tour after it. Um, so, um, I guess maybe I feel like, um, our writing process is pretty unique in this in this band. We mm-hmm. kind of we very rarely write together. We sort of edit each other's work okay. and ideas. So there's a natural. It's interesting. I, I saw the Queen documentary this weekend, um, or biopic. I guess is closer. But it's interesting. Freddie Mercury was talking about when he left the band that no matter who he hired, he couldn't create what they had created because it was the arguments and it was the stomping out and it was the changing of things that made the band magic. And I think for us, it is that constant sort of uh, sometimes antagonistic dynamic that creates the good things about the band. So all some great t- pairings in history. I mean, historically, mm-hmm. if you look at the timeline and you look at all of these different pairings, they all hated each other. Mm. Often, yeah, yeah. So like they, they, the Eagles couldn't even be in a room together. Right. I mean, it was just. But sometimes, and of course, you, we're just like the Eagles. I think sometimes when you create art, you don't necessarily have to like get along on all fronts as people. Right. Um, right. And I think our personalities are such where they really kind of push and shove each other, and we we do this whole push and pull, and she makes me so freaking angry, but then we end up with a great song or a great product. So often the editing part, and you say going back and listening, we would have such different opinions that sometimes we have to just sort of like, this is the first record we self-produced. We were the only yeah. ones who did it. And there were times when she was working on vocals, I just wasn't there. She needed oh, no, to do no, her thing. No, no, she's or, never allowed to be there. Or there were <laughs> certainly, yeah, because I would sit there and try to micromanage it, which is <laughs> yeah. how she does her best work. I don't work. like that. So it's a tough question in that yeah. we would both have different opinions probably on that. But I do feel like this record is the closest I felt like we got this right but there are moments i would change or re-record and i'm sure you feel the same oh, way yeah for sure so well, yeah which is i'm just sitting there thinking of you know within the bands and the the chaos within it yeah. but yet it's that common goal of okay we got we want to produce a record mm-hmm. and so you learn to communicate and work of through course. everything of which course. obviously is a lot of the tension in our culture now and you learn to you wo- work with what you have right I mean, right and you appreciate the qualities just like i mean in a marriage trying to work through all that stuff yeah. you know it's like yeah and a record is a is a is a product of a story mm-hmm. i think a lot of the times and it's it's funny you go back and you you hear little parts of the timeline that make you think about like oh that's when this happened and oh right. man i wanted to choke the life out of her yeah <laughs> talking about you thanks yeah you're welcome <laughs> and or like oh you know a few of the songs i was there were some vocal issues i was having when i recorded them and mm-hmm. I was like, I got to do it anyways. Got to make it happen. And and when I go back and listen to them, I, I hear that. But probably but weirdly, everyone some people else. hear that as a vulnerability. Yes, exactly. Song, and so. sometimes people hear it as a vulnerability. So, mm. um, But, of course, I go back with my nitpickiness and go, right. 
I wish I would have could have re-recorded that right, song. Right, right. Who or what were some of the big influences in your life, and what do you currently keep your mind as far as reading or whatever growing? Um, mine is often people creating in other art forms. So yeah, books, painters, architects, novel, yeah, novelists. I like being around those people who are telling stories in different ways. Um, so for me, I think there are certain people, though, one of which is a songwriter that I think are constant inspirations for me. The first is T.S. Eliot, a uh, poet who I think just the wasteland to me is like probably the perfect 20th century poem. Its footnotes are a hundred times the length of the, of the poem, which I like to think that I want to write songs where the footnotes have to be that long, which means maybe my number one is far, far, far away from me. But um, and the other is probably weird. Your number one will not have <laughs> footnotes a hundred times exactly. longer. Exactly. Your number one will have the word truck and and jeans in it. Probably. Um, maybe. Who knows? Maybe it'll be one of those footnote ones. But um, the other is probably uh, Morrissey and the Smiths. I'm a huge fan of. Uh, this drives you crazy, doesn't No, it? I love Morrissey and the Smiths. Right. But your love of them sometimes is like... Well, he's ironic. And he, well, <laughs> but he represents what I feel like is lost in music currently, and that's mystery. I feel like all of the bands and artists and writers um, and painters and anyone that I find is an intriguing, creative person, it's the mystery that drew me to them. Um, and it's, it's oddly, to sort of wrap it back around, what's so fascinating about Nashville as a city to me is the mystery that often gets overlooked and all these stories had incredible mystery to them and incredible um it's hard to find the history here sometimes we had to talk to writers we had to go digging in the back of old bookstores we had to very it was very rare that we would find this information online uh, we just talked to people and and I, I like the mystery. I like the mystery in music. I like myth. Um, so I like that kind of thing. But um, so that's where I find more influence, I think, than anything else. And, poly, and like certain, like Teddy Roosevelt is one of my heroes. That probably Churchill. Winston Churchill. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm kind of off. Presidents and yeah, you know, yeah. Well, all the stuff that doesn't inspire me. <laughs> now you're seeing how different we are. Ah, I can tell. I can tell already. Go ahead. So how answer. About you? Well, I usually try to find inspiration. Um, I think I am a super anxious and nervous personality uh, for the most part. I think the older I've gotten, the more I've kind of realized that and come to terms with it and mm -hmm. said, well, <laughs> it's just the way it is. So I guess I got to work with it and not against it. Writing brings me a lot of um, of peace and quiet, and not songwriting necessarily, but more. And Stevie Nicks. I haven't gotten <laughs> quit answering my questions for me, so I I would say writing definitely brings me a lot of that peace. Um, I'm trying to get back into reading. I'm I've been having a difficult time like making my brain mm -hmm. sort of quiet down recently. Um, and I've been trying to be a little bit more mindful of trying to be okay with being in the quiet with myself. So yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get back into reading again because I miss it and um, and writing and listening to music. Um, I have been definitely escaping into a band called, uh, let's see, who are some of my favorites recently? Cigarettes After Sex, I'm a huge fan of theirs. Um, a lot of like Grace, Jeff Buckley. Um, a lot of Stevie Nicks, Fleetwood Mac, mm -hmm. um, just people that really inspire me. Um, I feel like sometimes it's really hard to feel inspired in this mm -hmm. town because there's so much coming at you and so many different things that you have right. to sort of remember the roots of your inspiration and kind of delve back into that as much it's as you can. It's so funny. I was having a conversation recently with a friend over whether you can write a great record in Nashville. And so often how the great records are written outside of Nashville and then recorded in Nashville. And it was quite an interesting debate. But it is tough when you get really immersed into competitiveness. And yeah, it's weird. It's hard. So I'm still stuck on mystery. I'm thinking, what was it about the mystery? You think it was when, when you look at someone that says the mystery of the person, was it just because there was nothing told about the person? Very little. You know what I mean? Like, was there... Because obviously now you got all the transparency and social media. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so, but, you know, you have the mystery of people back in the day because they weren't out blabbing their story to everybody. Sure. You know, sure. And some of it is just the, in the way they painted their story. Maybe. I mean, if you look at Teddy Roosevelt going to the Dakotas, 
and his sort of, you know, he lost his mother and his wife on Valentine's Day. They both died a couple hours apart. And he goes out to North Dakota and disappears on the frontier to get over that. He comes back and never speaks his wife's name again. That creates a myth. And, yeah. you know, he, he basically talked himself out of having asthma as a teenager. He just decided he wasn't going to have asthma anymore. So he, he just didn't. did it. So, um, but yeah, when it comes to some of the artists in Venice, I think Stevie Nicks is one of the greatest creators mystery. of mystery and myth. Uh, yeah, and absolutely. some of it is, yeah, choosing what to present and what not. Um, so is Buckley, though. I mean, Jeff Buckley, Buckley is, is huge. And yeah. Leonard Cohen. I mean, same thing. I mean, I think Leonard Cohen is great at it. He, Joni. Yeah, who else goes to a monastery to get over love and fails but writes a record about it? I mean, that's just, those are the kind of things that I think make life interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, posting. And it's frustrating because as a band, you have to do all this social right, media posting. Right, and every right. time, you know, Vanessa and I were kind of fighting over who's going to do it because it just starts feeling icky at a point when... I'd rather post a picture of maybe where we are or something we did, but people respond to pictures of, of, the, us. of us and we're like, ew, do we have to? But so I think to I'm me, putting pictures up of my butt, that's not like a, really close up <laughs> pictures so nobody can really tell what it is. It's a desert landscape, <laughs> but I don't know if like, can you have a Stevie Nicks again? Can you have a Freddie Mercury again? Can you have no, a David Bowie? Can I don't you know have that these it would be really hard in this climate to breed a, an artist like that. Again, but they exist in other mediums i think do they well like okay, i mean i'll talk about a friend of ours who's an architect so uh, he's okay, okay he's yeah, looking at andres yeah. duani who's <clears throat> a, an incredible new urbanist professor and stuff but here's a guy that collects one of so for every officer in every major conflict in world history he has collected a gun from that person's position he's now collecting a copy of every column, column. every created in art. <laughs> so this, so these dirty. are these are interesting to me. Those are interesting. You know, he grew up on you know playing on um, San Juan Hill near Santiago, Cuba. Back to Teddy Roosevelt, but he, he he's just I find that so much more fascinating than how good someone looks mm -hmm. on Instagram and you know. Uh, how many tickets they've sold or how, you know, it just starts feeling icky and it's difficult to, you know, even some of the more successful artists in Americana have to do it. And it's just, I, 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 I struggle with it. You yeah. may as well. So, yeah. Well, cool. I like it. Yeah. I mean, it's like my mind's just thinking of obviously liking the, the history ties into the mystery. Right. Kind yeah, of. It does. Um, all right. So shout out a little moment where, What's your one of your favorite restaurants, and if if you have a favorite nonprofit and why? Oh, it's great. You go. You can you go. You have the nonprofit cover. Okay, so um, I actually run a benefit quarterly now that I just started putting together. It's the second one that we've ever done just happened. And okay. It's called Flat Iron Maiden, and we pick a local charity every time. Try to keep it female focused as much as possible, because I feel like that's kind of an important thing right now. Mm -hmm. Um and. The last time we, we worked with End Slavery Tennessee. Um, yeah, I've heard of that one. For work against human trafficking, mm -hmm. um, which was amazing. We raised like, I think $3,000 for that, which was great. And this time around, we ended up raising um, five grand for an organization called The Mom Bag, um, which is an incredible, incredible organization. I mean, I can't say enough great things about it. Um, a woman named Beth Matthews actually runs it, and she... Um, puts together these bags for refugee women mm. of soaps and deodorant and toothpaste and things that we take for granted mm -hmm. every single day that we just have. And their homes have been raided and they come here and they have nothing and no money to buy any of that stuff with. And Beth realized by befriending one of these Syrian women, um, she went to the store with her one day and the, the lady was like smelling all of the mm -hmm. soaps and, and perfumes and things and lotions. And, and Beth said, oh my goodness, like, you know, do you want one of these things? And she's like, I just, I haven't had any of this stuff in, in years and I just want to smell it all. And, but it's those simple little pleasures in life that right. are, make you feel human. Um, and what I like about the organization so much is that it's, it's just, it's part of making someone feel and connect with the human experience of just feeling like a person, you know, mm -hmm. and you don't feel like a person if you can't have those basic <coughs> human needs i mean just right. basic things and yeah so it was a really great thing to work on uh for this for this time around 
And favorite restaurant? Uh, I would probably say Rolf and Nutters for pasta. I just went to Retrograde again this morning. Which uh, one's afternoon. that? This side of your accident. Retro- I know. It's the Retrograde Coffee. Okay. It's, um, it's great. I have PTSD about it because she fell I, and broke her toe. I fell yeah. and dislocated and broke my toe like nine weeks ago, ten weeks ago, something like that. And um, I was just... Oh, I was so scared to go back today, but I did, and I drank coffee, and it was it was great. They, I was fine. They I didn't break another welcome toe. Welcome you with open arms. <clears throat> yeah, cool. and yeah. five daughters mm-hmm. donuts. Yes, I, I just yeah. tried that the other day. Um, and headquarters coffee is really good. I don't really eat a lot of food, so yeah. yeah. My shout out would be to headquarters for coffee yeah. for sure. They're awesome. Where are they at? They're here right on there? Charlotte. Okay, on- I was because I think I might like park here before heading mm. back out that way because <laughs> so i want to find a coffee joint is it open till like six or is it uh, might be yeah. might be four but there's oh, okay. also a couple okay. right i think there. they're up until six during the winter time oh are they because people are more apt to drink coffee when it's cold mm-hmm. so i think they might be open till six and i agree with you on Rolf and daughters <clears throat> for sure it's just it's it's delicious isn't it's it? it's shoulders above other things and my shout out for non-profit has nothing to do with people. It would be historic Nashville. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> well, you're you're required to say that. No, I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I know music, or I know a music career is not an easy road to pursue. Sometimes you feel like you are up against a lot of resistance, like Andrew Jackson was in the battle for his second term. Sometimes pursuing your passion can cost you more than you are willing to give up. What has been some resistance you have encountered along your journey? Well, we don't have five hours to discuss the constant <laughs> oh resistance. I mean, so I'll try to be succinct to my answer. I mean, it began for me when I was in my, um, I guess I was 27 years old and was sitting in a, um, a major label office in, in New York uh, with my rock band and was, and was told, well, um, you're 27 and you're female. We have no idea what we can do for you at this point. But hey, you write great songs. So it started then. Um, I definitely feel like there's an element that I noticed more recently of the, you know, hey, you play pretty good for a girl kind of thing, but that's a whole nother topic. But I think the resistance is just more, you know, this is a town where there used to be thousands of published writers. And it's a town where now there's something like 250 published writers. And to me, there, there may be a very broken system in how songwriters are developed and supported because it's a career that um, is incredibly important, I think, to the character of the country and the world. And we need great songs. We need songs to continue. And we need a way for people to be able to write. So it gets into the dynamic of um, talent versus potential and money versus talent. So I don't know that there's an answer to it. But I do know when when I think, you know, Vanessa and I both have had some major country cuts and, and people who are much more successful than us will have talked about this very openly, but when we're getting royalty checks for 25 or $30, there's a lot of resistance in how do you make a living mm-hmm. uh, and how can you continue to do that with that kind of income. So, and we also, you know, the whole publishing system is set up where it's borrowed money, you owe it back. You may be working 60, 70 hours a week as a songwriter, but... So it's tricky. I think that's where the resistance is, is how to solve those problems to support and develop songwriters, um, to not always have it based on commercial success and how you judge talent. Um, and so you can have a long-standing, developed career as a writer or artist um, without without going broke. I don't, I don't know what the answer is for that. I don't think there is an answer until some people fix some of the issues with streaming and... Mm-hmm. The way that money is getting divided is completely unfair. Way too many hands in the yeah, pot. Yeah, there's way too many hands in the pot. So I think once that maybe settles a little bit and gets figured out, um, then a great deal of the, the issues will sort of subside and we'll be able to get past that and figure out what the next steps are to make being a musician a viable career again. Because mm-hmm. at this point, people just kind of, if you're like, oh, I'm a, I'm a musician, I'm a songwriter, it's almost like people are like, oh, cool, well, what do you do for money? You know, well, at this point, because it, you almost can't do maybe it. Maybe it's you think it's that's more of a Nashville. Uh, you know, no. or? it's another tricky thing too. Because to me, I've I've to support myself and support bands. At times, I've had to have another job, mm-hmm. and I have 
I mean, this is a good example that might sum it up. In It's more pronounced here in Nashville this way, but this was in Atlanta. I had a, a nine-to-five job in marketing, and I interviewed for a higher-paying job and had got to the finals. I was interviewing with, like, the head of a huge uh, institute at a major college. And at the end of the interview, it's gone very well. I'm like, this is looking good. I'm going to make, you know, $30,000 more a year. And he looks me in the eye and he says, well, I looked you up online and I see you're in a rock band. And I went, oh, God, there goes the job. And he said, so if you get a record deal tomorrow, are you leaving the job? And I was so frustrated by it. And I said back, if you win the lottery tomorrow, are you leaving your job? I did not get the job, mm. but <laughs> this is a problem here wow. in town that if, if you're seen That's as a true. professional in another field, which, right, right. you know, um, it becomes problematic. Oh, you're not really a songwriter, right. but you're, you can be if your family's paying the bills or you have a trust fund. Mm. It, it's just a weird right. kind of jumbly thing to figure out, but I don't know. There, yeah. it, it's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah, it it's tricky, tricky also not to get a little bitter. And right. That's right. hard too. So. Well, because you know how much you're, how hard you're working at it. Yeah. And when I when I first got in real estate, probably about two years in, I, I guess I needed a little money, but I figured it'd be a way to meet people. And I was doing delivering dry cleaning. Mm-hmm. But like I was just like, you didn't want to tell me about you're in real estate because you're delivering dry cleaning. Like yeah. it makes it seem like you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> it's true. I think it. <laughs> so works, it's like yeah. sometimes you got to either or, or you know, it's the, it's, the either it's or how is you're perceived. Hard. You know, it's yeah. a hard thing. All right, so. When life gets tough, people let you down. How do you prevent yourself from hiding in your house and letting the walls fall in on you like Lena and Bertha did? <laughs> I like that you're referencing the album. I picked up on that at the Andrew Jackson question. Yes. I know I did too. It's great. Um, All right, you, you answer this one. That's really, really great. Man, sometimes it's really difficult. Um, I have to be honest. And like, you know, through through pub deals and potential record deals and management deals and ups and downs and constantly having to figure out how you're going to pay your bills. <laughs> it's it is really, really difficult sometimes to sort of see the light mm-hmm. um, at the end of the tunnel. I think just trying to remember, you know, I think I think the phrase that comes to mind most of the time when I sort of find myself curled in a ball crying on my bathroom floor <laughs> is this is what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's an important thing to remember is that you make your own choices always. So if I didn't want to do music, I mean, I could, I could probably go find something else to do. Uh, would it be as enjoyable? And would I like my life as much? Probably not. Mm-hmm. So as hard as it gets, I always try to keep that, that phrase in my mind and remind myself that this is this is what I asked for. This is what I I set out to do, and and nothing that is worth having is is mm-hmm. easy to get. You know, which is a good reminder in that thought itself that at that moment you have a choice. You know, you have to choose. Absolutely, to you forward, have to you know? choose, and and it's it's always a choice to do music. Um, I, I think people who, you know, most people who had the choice probably wouldn't if, if they're not like a true musician it's it's really difficult and I'm lucky that I don't have a a family or something right now to take care of because I would I would maybe have to make a different choice at that point but right now I'm okay I take care of myself Mm -hmm. and you know did you want to add what about you what about when ultimate doom strikes you and you're about to lose it (laughs) well I used to just go ride a horse so that would usually Mm -hmm. fix that problem real quickly uh yeah now I um I just I, I wither away within the sorrow. <laughs> kind of yes, big ups to withering. I'm into that. I'm just all about feeling it at this point. Right. Yeah, just sometimes you just emotion. gotta feel the mo- moment. Yeah, and you just... gotta just go with the emotion and just be like, I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, I knew the language when we cry, get there. Sorry, get there. <laughs> and just cry about it, and you know, and then you feel better, but, but you still. You know, feel like I find the crying doesn't change <laughs> it that much. <laughs> That's what I just said. Yeah. Right. It's fine. You know, we'll whatever. Fine. We'll make it. Yeah. I mean, it depends if you're like going somewhere afterwards because then it's like I gotta redo uh, the makeup and be all that Oh, stuff. you can always buy more mascara. <laughs> yeah. Fine. All right. So sometimes being called marbles like Jimi Hendrix was in a good thing, you are pushing against the norm and pursuing a passion. How do you feel your passion for music is impacting others? I mean. For me, I hope, I I say this about this band often, and I like to think of Granville Automatic as a gateway drug, 
that people who may not be so interested in history might go. I mean, frankly, Vanessa and I did not know Jimi Hendrix got a start here. And it was in writing that song with, with Jim that we realized, oh, my gosh, we've missed this massive part of this story. Yeah. So for us, we hope that, you know, these songs are very... Um, they're injected with a lot of our own personal stories and things that have happened to us, which I, I think keeps them modern, even though they're telling old stories. But I, I also believe that, and again, this is, I feel like I'm having this conversation a lot lately, that some of the greatest musicians are inherently a little crazy. Mm -hmm. And if you're missing that crazy gene, maybe you're not a great musician. So that's a dangerous topic, too. I'm not crazy. No, maybe, maybe perfectly the, sane. I think maybe the term crazy is, is in a good way, is associated with yeah. artists. Because when I was doing this, I know my wife was like, are you crazy? Mm -hmm. And I, there was a times where I'm like, yeah, what am I what am I doing? You know, but I kept pushing through and now I get to do fun stuff like this. You know, so. There you oh, go. boy. So if listeners are stuck, mm. if fear is pulling them down and they feel like taking a wrecking ball to their lives. What advice can you give them to push through that season? Oh, That's a pretty serious question it's a there. really serious question. I would say to always trust your gut. Um, I think that's something I'm like learning as I go, maybe. But, you know, nine out of ten times I feel like there's a thing that happened which led to all of the bad things. And you've got to figure out what that one thing is. And, and you've got to start figuring out how to avoid doing the mm -hmm. thing that you do every time. <laughs> See, it's interesting. I have almost the opposite answer. Mine is distract yourself. Mm. Like, <laughs> go, go. Well, this is so much about no, our distract, personalities. Distract yourself like... I feel like back to your nonprofit thing. Go like go to a go to a food kitchen and volunteer. Like if you're just at your wits end, go find something that gets your brain thinking about something different. Go volunteer at a food kitchen. Go help, you know. Go go to the Humane Society and work around animals that need help for a little bit. Or distract yourself. My mom used to say when you because I'm an equally anxious person as Vanessa. My mom would say, "What happens if you would just go do a hundred jumping jacks? Would it throw your mind off at all?" And I thought. Maybe not, but there may be something to that. Go play a game. Dig of a hole. Chess. Dig a hole. If you're angry, dig a hole. That works. Go dig a hole. Go dig a five-foot hole with a shovel if you're angry. Mm -hmm. You will not be. Put yourself in it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, I so I think for me, for me, distraction, which could be a dangerous game. Yeah. But... Um, for sure. But I do yeah. think, yeah, that's, it, a, that's, a, that's a tough it, question. What's interesting, you said that, you know, some of these phrases that we say that sometimes you're like, or when people say, speak of the devil, I always think, God, that's terrible. Like, you're calling a person the devil, right? <laughs> but like, when you say, go with your gut, you know, recently, yeah. um, go with your gut. talking with some health people, talking about how the gut is tied with the brain. You know? There's right. always, I'm just saying, you, you can know? trace every, every moment back. Every time something blows up, you can trace it back to the moment where you thought in your brain... This right. is not a good idea. That's very true. And, uh, yeah. And and to me, like that's what you should really listen to. I think that in all of my jumbling, that's what I was really trying to say. It's like well, no, but it's interesting though because those two are tied though. Yeah. So really, that's why people probably said that, and and because it is tied mm -hmm. to the brain. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I uh, we recently went to Florida. Mm -hmm. uh, was climbing up Chattanooga, the hill up going through there. Monagle, yeah. And. Before I left, I had replaced the brake, brakes and rotors, and there was a noise, and basically I, I checked it. Everything seemed fine. I adjusted something. And then even before we left, the car's loaded down, and I still, like, I was like, there's still a noise. I'm like, but I guess it's just, you know, the brakes. But there was something that's like, you might want to check it again. Mm -hmm. So we're heading up. And thankfully, because I drive a little aggressive, I'm cruising down the mountain, you know, and we get in Chattanooga. Long story short, a bolt popped out. And we were at a place where we were able to get off and it didn't like lock it up. But oh, like, you got lucky. Had to spend <laughs> hundred something dollars a night in the hotel, dealing with Firestone. But it went, I, and I was so frustrated at myself because I'm like, one, that was my fault. But two, it was like, oh, if I had just checked it or even had. When I had the tires rotated balance, had Firestone. Sure. Um, and it, I think it even makes it harder, too, when you know, you remember, like, you had that thought. Mm-hmm. 
and it, it makes it even more difficult when you know it's your fault to go, all right, perspective, get perspective, move forward, you know. Sure. And in a grand scheme of things, it's like, okay, you know, there's a little money, but. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm glad you guys were safe because I could have gone really Yeah, it could yeah, have. Like, terribly Yes. Wrong. Or she could have been driving by herself and, yeah. But yeah, you're trusting your instinct when something usually, I, I haven't had mine fail me for good or for evil so far. No. It's always right. Yeah, and I find that sometimes when I do not do that thought it's because i'm too lazy in the moment Mm -hmm. to do it you know all right so if you could sit down let's say that again yeah that's right if you could sit down with your young self and impart some words of wisdom in regards to life music or anything what would you say for me i would have done it all sooner i was too scared to change and i wasted a, a lot of time in in doing things that would have moved me closer to the things that i wanted because i was too scared of change so that would that would be i would tell younger self suck it up get some benzodiazepines and do it yeah i think i probably would have done it sooner too i mean i i always was pursuing music from the time i was like 15 years old but um but i think i would have taken action to um make my career more of a reality a lot sooner in life and and you know been here where where things were happening instead of in Atlanta where hip hop was happening but that's mm-hmm. not I mean I, I write a lot of top line stuff and I love pop I love writing anything pop but um but you know this was the closest most immediate town that I could have been into really you know light a fire under my mm-hmm. under my butt so to speak and um I feel like had I been here immersed in this I might have like really started kind of right. chipping at it a little sooner and would maybe have more going on. Oh, point. yeah. My first, I had a meeting probably 10 years before I moved here with a publisher, and she said, I love what you do. This is really good. I like your solo stuff. I, I don't think necessarily some of this is mainstream country, but um, you have to move here. So call me up when you move here. And it mm. took me 10 years. Mm. And It's hard. That it's was really a hard. That was, I mean, so not that. Up and move everything and leave everything behind, you know, that you had. Not that yeah. we didn't have some really cool things happen while we were in Atlanta, and there it was some way an advantage that we were living in Atlanta. But uh, yeah, I feel like even if it, mm. for me it meant moving to New York or LA before I was into country, I just was afraid to do it. Yeah, I just so. had a conversation with a, a client, and his um, girlfriend is living back in Arkansas, and he's like, "I'm here, jobs well, you know, looking at buying a house, and you know, it's like." the fear of change, you know, and, and the more I, you know, see people living a life or some of the books I've read, it's just like, man, when you can like, go for it, you know, don't let it tie you down. My, I was talking to my nephew and he has no ties in Texas. And I'm just like, just, and he has, yeah, he's no job, nothing, you know? And it's just like, go just, Push the fear aside, you know? Well, the good thing about yeah. change is you can always change it again. If it's not, well, the, right, if it's not the right thing, change it again. I've been like, yeah. you got nothing to lose if you go here and you can always find a job, mm. you know, or a basic one anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, people gravitate towards safety. And mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's, maybe it's an instinct, but I I feel like every successful businessman or, or creator it risks the failure and risks the change, and it, it does pay off in time. Yes. So. Yep, yep. All right, so um, from the great words of Paul and Timothy 4-7, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. When your journey's over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? You want me to take it? Yeah, you go first. got to think about that for a second. Okay. Uh, for me, I think musically, I'll address it musically, I would like to um, leave albums that people still want to listen to and that it's a way of remembering some things that might have been lost. Um there's again whether it is that civil war record we did um or stories we've written about uh, even back to the blood and gold and the the wild horse and what's happening with the mustangs and up to for example Jimi hendrix legacy i just hope these are things that help people remember history and remember it correctly i i've gotten where i have to turn off uh the news now because so often people are speaking without a knowledge of history and it drives me absolutely bonkers so for me i just hope it's it's and again that's a it's a musical answer and to tie to that which is a relatively selfish answer i would say i would like to know that i was a part of writing one absolutely great song i have not done that yet i don't think but musically i hope that i 
Not drinking Tam with a football problem. <laughs> that wasn't your opus? Not yet, no. <laughs> as much as I'm thankful for it, it was not it was not the opus. So Yeah, definitely not the opus. Um I think that the legacy I would like to leave behind is um joy, you know, and um anytime I'm on stage I always feel like I want to leave it and have everybody in the audience just laughing and smiling and just or feeling some kind of emotion or being moved and and having the greatest time and experience through music because it's what it does for me mm-hmm. um, you're good at the joy on stage I think yeah um you know i think we're a good balance because she's all she's all so effing serious all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> and i it's try to be i try to be um you know the front part of the 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 back part of the mullet she's the front part of the mullet <laughs> I'm the back part business, of the mullet. All business. Um, but it's, you know, I have an, an enormous amount of stage fright, actually. Um, and see, I don't. Isn't that, isn't that awkward? And I think when I get on stage, I tend to just start right, rambling right, right, about right, right. stuff I that I probably shouldn't uh. say. But usually after, like, song two, I'm yep. fine. Um, but, you know, I, I think the legacy that I would want to be, leave behind would be um, just, I don't know. I want people to always feel like... Mm-hmm. They experience a lot of joy being around me or what I create musically. That is a good question, though. And the older I yeah, get, it, the it more really I think is. about mm-hmm. it. So, yeah, yeah, finding that purpose. Um, actually, when I when now. I first started yeah. doing the uh, the podcast, like I would first have to do something silly to kind of get to break the ice to the humor, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, I was the same way. Um, all right, so now we're going to dive into the real estate minute or few. All right. So, how long have you lived in Nashville? Full-time, four years, on and off, for six. Yeah. Same for you. Same with you. Same with me, yeah. And obviously, what made you move to Nashville? Music. Construct. I love cranes. Right. I love the you sight love of construction. You love the noise of trucks driving and by. And noise and cranes. <clears throat> That's um, awesome. Yeah, music, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Now, take music away. You love the city? I would not be here if it weren't for music. I like things about it. Um, I am very undecided with where I want to end up in my life. Um, I think there's, that's open for discussion depending Mm -hmm. on where I end up because there are a a great number of people who make their living away from here, Mm -hmm. um, and who commute back and forth and they're here, you know, two months out of the month or two weeks out of the month. And then they go back to wherever they come from and they're here half the year and they're somewhere else half the year. If you're touring and stuff. Hero example, Lori McKenna. Exactly. So it doesn't really, once you get to a certain level of course of success, then it doesn't matter anymore. Um, I do love aspects of the city and I like things about it. I love being able to go see music Mm -hmm. on any Mm -hmm. night of the Mm -hmm. week. And it's talent everywhere. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, I could do that in Austin, too. <laughs> yes. You know, or New York, probably, or L.A. Um, I don't think I'd want to live in L.A. It's just not, unless it was like Joshua Tree. Hmm. But, yeah, I, th- I think I, I could see myself probably settling here if it was the right situation. But I'm not sure. Yeah. All right. So, um, and what community we're in the nation? So we're in now, the where are you? Are you living here as well? No. Okay. So I live over um, in an area that's kind of close to Bordeaux. Okay. Um, north of the yeah. Cumberland. Mm-hmm. So I have a beautiful view of the river and the and the city. And I mean, I sit on a really amazing lot, and it's very peaceful. It's where they dump also, the bodies. <laughs> shut your face. <laughs> it's it's also, historically true. <laughs> it's also very. Um, uh, it, it brings a lot of anxiety because I am staring at Nashville all the time. Okay. It's just like right there. You do it pretty And we deal. have this thing where we like to, you have to be really mean. You have to treat it like, oh, I forgot know, about this. Yeah. You have to treat it like you're an abusive lover. Okay. You know? That's what and we do to the skyline. It, yeah, you have to tell it it's terrible. terrible thing. And oh, you think you're growing it. up now, Nashville? And, nice try. Yeah. And you have to talk to it like Get back you in your corner, Nashville. It. And you are an abusive, abusive Stop talking at a beater, drinking a, a handle of whiskey. It gives us power over like, the okay. city. Well, okay. whiskey. <laughs> we started this a long time ago. Yeah. So you have to like really tell it. And I have to tell it all the time. You still do it. I'm there all the time and it's 
just staring at me. So I just see it just looming you and just 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 staring at me, mocking me. All is it after <laughs> several hours of hanging out and chatting that you do that? Or like, we used to do it anytime we drove by. Anytime okay. we drove okay. by. If we drove by the skyline, skyline, we would scream We'd at it. Yell at like, it. Yell obscenities. Yeah, and give it the middle finger. Out. Give it the middle finger. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Oh, no, but you I would have to. And when I've never we tried it. doing that is now when see, our lunch changed. I okay, would it's do back that. on. It's, I didn't know you were doing it. Yeah, I started doing it again. Yeah, I idea. do it to traffic, but not the skyline. Oh, no. it's it's fun to yell at Nashville, yeah, especially really as it's fun. growing. <laughs> it's really fun. Just stop it. Shut your mouth. All right, so uh, tell me a great memory that you often share about Nashville. I don't have any. Okay, no. I don't know. You actually you just shared one. That's, yeah, that's you a pretty strong the, memory. You with the skyline. I have some. I have some pretty good ones. Maybe. I'm trying to think of a. Flatiron is definitely like if if anybody that wa- that listens to your podcast is in Nashville locally and wants to come see that. It's okay. just the most fun. It's all 80s and it's cool. It's crazy. It's just so fun. Have you ever been to uh, headquarters Nashville? HQ Nashville. The coffee shop. Is it a coffee shop yeah. off of uh... Charlotte? Um, no, it's um, it's like a bar, and they have like it's an arcade. Oh, I've heard about that. Yeah, no, so when know. you said that, okay. I was thinking maybe they serve coffee, but yeah, so they have like a whole wall of tapes. Oh, and yeah, then like it's kind of an eighties themed oh. era fiasco, and it's like an free 80s fiasco. free um, arcade stuff. Yeah, how about you? Uh, I mean, it's probably a favorite recent memory. Um, I was hanging out with a friend of mine who's an incredible um, pop artist named Kate Tucker. And we went. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the history of the city, and we decided. Well, we're we're discussing the history of Printer's Alley and Ike Johnson, who is the bartender in our song "News of the World." And so we decided. Well, we're just going to go down to um, go down to the Southern Turf Building and go to his old bar. So yeah. we did it like 1 a.m. Totally went down there, and it was a night where this huge storm front was coming in. The clouds were moving, and it was a full moon. And we walked down the alley, right, and it just felt like we were back in 1920s mm. Printer Alley. So that felt like a connection to the old Nashville for me. Um, but yeah, I do enjoy yelling at the skyline. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorite pastimes. All right, so have either of y'all had experience with a real estate agent? I think we both have, yeah. Okay, so what what would you look for in a good real estate agent? Well, this is... I don't like anyone who's trying to be a salesperson. Mm-hmm. And I also like a quiet person who allows me to make my own decisions. Mm. So I like someone who, if I'm ready to buy or sell, I will go to them. And I will expect them to know the law, help me when I need to, and get as close to what I want out of something. So I, I kind of, that's what I like in an entertainment lawyer, too. And ours is just like that. He's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I like a very small personality and a very mm. business straight up. No, I don't need the flash. I don't need the, the convincing. I, I'll know what I want. But I'm a car salesman. I'll go in and say, you don't need to sell me anything. I know what I want. Here's the price I'm going to pay for it. How do we get to it? Mm. So that's just my personality. Yeah. Well, I like that. My roommate's a realtor, so okay. I see all the time kind of what she's going through. And so this this town is crazy right now. It's so expensive. Mm-hmm. Everything is so expensive. And eventually, that, I think that's going to... It's, it's already slowing down yes, a bit. It's, yeah. slowing, it's slowing down just a tiny bit right mm-hmm. now, although they are building a thousand new homes near. You're getting the Four Seasons up there in wow, North thousand. Nashville. It's amazing. Yeah, it's everywhere. <clears throat> yeah, it's kind of everywhere right now. But that's fine. You know, it, yeah. it's great. I'm glad that we're growing and changing, I guess. And what what advice would you give to someone looking to move to Nashville? Don't do it. You uh, said do it for sure. It, you know, are they, is this person a musician or is this person... Um, no, just in general business, like, uh, you know. I would, you know, I, I feel like I was fortunate to come to this neighborhood. Um, Vanessa was my roommate initially in this neighborhood, and it was before it had uh, sort of switched over to the hot neighborhood that it is now. Mm-hmm. So it gave me an itch for finding those places before they happen. I think it's kind of cool to be a part of that. So I would maybe... Um, talk to them about some of the neighborhoods that I find interesting. Um, and, but I'm also a, a, a preservationist, so I, I, I get a little torn. Um, I love a new house, but I also would love to have a house built in 1840 with a new kitchen and bathrooms and then I'm happy. Mm. Yeah. So, um, I would tell them that they might want to wait about six months till the market <laughs> stalls out and then buy if they're buying. Right. Um, if, 
Yeah. So yeah, um, renting is almost impossible. Yeah, renting's right a little tricky right now. Yeah, renting. Well, is, that's what actually so somebody, expensive. Um, a lender I work with, he went to a, a, a lender thing, and they were talking about that's the unique thing about Nashville is that the buying and the rent is in such high demand. Usually, it's one or the other. We're both there, uh, even yeah, though again, the a bit. So totally. All right, cool. Well, there we go. There's the real estate minute, and. Um, that's all we got. So we're going to hear a couple of songs yeah. from all you. Right. Sure. And um, actually go ahead and tell the audience where they can find you. And I love, you know, I'm assuming where they can find you, they can find that history of your songs. Yes. Because um, just reading that is pretty yeah, interesting. You, you can find us online at granvilleautomatic.com. And if you go to the music page, there is a link under the new album where you can download the map of the city with the locations as well as um, um, all of the stories behind the song are there you can download and read them cool all right sounds good if you weren't a history buff of nashville tennessee hopefully you walk away with some new insight into the history of some of the stories of some famous people and landmarks in nashville I know you enjoyed that as much as I did. It was fun listening to Vanessa and Elizabeth go back and forth. That was the first time I've done an interview with two people in the Rambler and hearing different perspectives and, you know, just how they went back and forth was pretty fun to hear. So hopefully you got a lot out of that and some takeaways of if you're pursuing music or or anything, just how to push through. As far as the sponsors, if you have not picked up on it yet, I'm a realtor in the Nashville area with a focus on residential real estate and real estate investing. I'd be happy to help you with your real estate needs. You can also give Brandon Hutchison a call with the Legacy Mutual Mortgage for all of your lender needs and Limestone Title and Escrow for any title needs. Next week, make sure to tune in as I sit down with Christian Spears, a founder and owner of Tennessee Brew Works. This is one of the first interviews I've done with the local craft brewery, and I had a great time learning about Christian, about his startup of the business, and also how they incorporate food into the brewery and music, and they got a lot going on with that place. It was also great to hear the stories of a few of the beers that they have brewed, and I never realized as you drink a beer that there could be a pretty awesome story behind it so that was a lot of fun so make sure to tune in for that as always thanks again for tuning in to nashville untold if you enjoyed the show make sure to subscribe and share with someone you know via social media or whatever means you share i guess it could be in person and also uh, feel free to check out the website and you can see some of the other interviews i have done I've had a lot of fun as I embark on episode 30. Make sure to check out the show notes for more details on Granville Automatic. Hey, you can connect with them. You can get some more insight into the music that they have written and they sing and more about the stories behind the songs. Now, turn up the volume and make sure to listen closely to the lyrics of this song to hear some of the history of Music City. Uh, this is Summer Street. It's the first song on Radio Hymns, and it's the story of one of Nashville's founders, Timothy DeMombrum, who lived in a cave. Timothy, like many who would follow him in the Music Row area, had two wives. So this is his story. It's called Summer Street. <laughs> okay. One, two, three, four. Get back to the rivers that haunt you Get back where the waters that want you Get back to the troubles that caught you Get back to the rivers that haunt you Names they change, but the streets are the same. Token at the tavern and a barrel to blame for the way I feel when the morning comes. 
Try to wash it away, but my heart's still drunk Guess you never forget, never forget the love you lost The one who makes you dream And the only one who could make you Get back to the rivers that haunt you Get back there the waters that want you Get back to the troubles that caught you Get back to the rivers that haunt you I gave away when I can't get back I never really knew what I had Until I wronged my only right And now it's peace to the whiskey and peace to the pipe And nobody knows where I'm sleeping tonight Yeah, nobody knows, nobody knows where I'm sleeping tonight That night we fell into the sky I counted on the light as it moved across your face In time, on Summer Street, I'll find The ghosts that we designed in another place Get back to the rivers that haunt you Get back where the waters that want you Get back to the troubles that caught you Get back to the rivers that haunt you I gotta live in this town too I gotta live in this town too I gotta live in this town too I gotta live in this We hope you've enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time.